Wither needs food. Bad height. Crow, no Sean, no uh, Jared, no no Drew, no I'm left all alone to my devices, and that's always troubling. But you know, I I've got a special guest. It, is it Rob Ursi? Usri? Usri. Usri, man, I, I Usri, I can get I can get that. That's that's actually relatively simple for me to get. Um, so you write like at four different places at, at like at SB Nation, where, where exactly do you write at? Well, I'm a co-managing editor of Stars and Stripes SC, which is the U.S. national team blogs. Um, I actually founded the the the, the, the network's uh, Atlanta United blog called Dirty South Soccer. Um, right, which we're a big fan of. Yeah, thanks. Um and then I'm a part of their like social media program where I get to work with like some of their top sites and provide like social content from for their sites, like maybe like a five post a week or something like that. So I work with their Chelsea blog, their Tottenham blog, um, um, the Barcelona blog, stuff like that. Yeah, I've seen you just post some random stuff from a lot of different blogs. So that that actually explains quite a bit from my perspective. Um, so. You do a little bit with the U.S. Men's National Team blog. Let's go ahead, and uh, it's been a it's been a week since you know all that happened. Um, we hate Klinsman now, right? Like we're back to hating him, whereas beforehand we like tolerate hit, tolerated him kind of, right? I mean, I just, it just it is what it is. I don't think we. I don't think we learned anything at all from this tournament. I mean, it's just back, we're back, basically back to square one. I mean, no, I, I think that that's, I think that's actually probably pretty profound that we learned nothing. Everybody's always trying to squeeze the most intricate details, um, especially when you get a whole six games from uh, from a team in which you only usually get a pair of games at a time. You have all this data that people are trying to uh, somehow, you know, squeeze their own <laughs> their own little narrative out of. And instead, really, the reality is we, we learned nothing. Yeah, so I wrote something. I'm, I have an article coming out tomorrow basically saying this exact thing. I mean, we, we saw, what, nine matches this summer? And I mean, what did we really learn? I mean, we had some fun. We beat. We had a couple of good wins, a couple of de- depressing losses. I mean, then in the end, we're right back where we started. No, certainly, I, and I would actually say that there is a few things that we did learn, uh, and maybe you might disagree, but I think we learned that Clint Dempsey isn't as washed up as we once uh, had imagined he was. Oh, I agree. We learned like some a little some minor things about players. Like some players stepped up, some didn't step up. It's just on the on the whole, I don't think we learned like anything about the program as a whole. But on your Dempsey point, I agree yeah. with Clint Dempsey. He he surprised the hell out of me. Um, 
We also learned Bobby Wood is definitely going to take on the Jermaine Jones um, angry role to where you really he's like he's like the wild card, right? Um, he he could randomly any game get a yellow or red. It seems like. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't be too quick to put that label on him yet. I mean, <laughs> that's he, not maybe he that's had, not fair. He, he he had one bad game where he lost his cool, but um, I wouldn't be too quick to to label him that I mean just I guess he got caught up in the moment. He's still pretty young. You gotta give him that him and both him and Yedlin both are still really young. We gotta just let him calm down a little bit first. All right. So no no honorary Charlie Kelly wild wild card uh <laughs> uh award there yet, but uh I, I still maintain that it's a possibility. <laughs> um so scooting down to MLS and to real the, the real drama that is going on MLS is selling everyone, or at least that's what it's like. That 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 would be what the rumors would have you believe. Uh, Fabian Castillo appears to be, and I guess FC Dallas came and refuted that this uh, this morning. Uh, Castillo, at least on the hinges, possibly uh, of having more suitors at the bare minimum. That's kind of the the scuttlebutt. Is that is that what you've seen as well? I mean, I saw something about him possibly being sold, which is kind of weird when you think about it because it seems like it's about a year too late for him. Like, about a year ago, he was on fire, and, I mean, he was one of the best players in the league. And if they were going to sell him, it seems like they should have sold him at the top of his his value then. No, yeah, I definitely agree that it's a a little bit odd timing. But that being said, he's on an extremely team-friendly deal. He's not a DP which is kind of mind-boggling when you think about how Castillo – and he signed like a five-year, four-year contract extension, um, and that might be a little bit um, longer than what he actually signed for. But he signed for an, extent, uh, for an extension of significant amounts um, this past offseason. So really the team, is, the team has all the, all the leverage in this scenario. So it's kinda, it'll be kind of interesting to see how this – how this plays out. Octavio Rivero looks to be headed to uh, Colo Colo, which is really good if you play uh, FIFA and Chile, uh, Chilean teams, I suppose. Maybe. <laughs> I'll have to take your word for it. I'll stick with the big teams. You, you, oh, 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 excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm that jerk that plays like, you know, random MLS teams. Like I'm the one playing like the Philadelphia union against whatever, you know, iteration of club America or, you know, um, Chivas USA that the random, you know, Spanish speaker that is just yelling curse words, which frankly I think is rude, um, the entire match and I still beat them. So what up? <laughs> well, I mean, back to the, the, the team point. I mean, unfortunately in MLS, the, the, the actual clubs only have so much say in the transfer. So if MLS wants to get the, wants to cash in, they're going to cash in no, absolutely. That's a that's a great point. But also, you you've kind of seen Vancouver acquire quite a bit of attacking talent over the last year, and you kind of wonder. There's been so many rumors surrounding Rivero over the past um, over the past I want to say six months. That seems like there there's been someone sniffing around, at least kind of trying to gauge what the interest was, and that's kind of surprising to me because I really felt like he came out um, he really came out hardcore last year had a little bit of a dry spell, which, you know, all strikers kind of tend to go through. 
there was a little bit of overreaction. He came back towards the end of the year, scored a few more goals. And it feels like everybody's just like, okay, well, this was a fun experiment. We're done. And, and I'm kind of surprised at this. He, he, he didn't, at least from my perspective, I didn't see him as necessarily a terrible um, striker. And, and as a Sounders fan, I think I should be able to judge what are terrible strikers at this, at this stage. Oh boy. Um, I mean, it could just be a, a, a an issue of him having problems in the locker room or something like that. We've seen a lot of that going on in MLS yeah. this year for some reason. Yeah, we have. Uh, Darren Esprilla headed to uh, Million Millionarios, um, which that would be a second time they dip into the um, MLS pool. They went and got Freddie Montero just a couple years ago. Uh, that that's got to be that could be very financially advantageous for. Portland considering that they really didn't spend very heavily on him and if any of the rumors are remotely true they're at least going to get something decent now he he definitely had his share of highlights and he's a very interesting player but I I, you know you kind of walk a really fine line when you start talking about a player that is highlight worthy versus what can he actually do and deliver for you And, and I'm not I, I'll be the first one to tell you I'm not really familiar with how uh, how much Asprilla really fits into their um, formations. Seems like it would be a good fit, but with uh, you know Luca, Lucas Milano kind of taking up a majority, a, a large chunk, if you will, of that playing time, maybe it just kind of leaves him on the outs and finding a new opportunity. Normally I'd make a joke about how Lucas Milano is terrible at soccer, but, you know, he's actually, you know, Putting, up, putting in a few goals like this, well, I can't make that joke today. So See, but if you I did it, it almost be like Sean was here. <laughs> oh, I have opinions. I won't, won't release them onto the world. I just don't think he's very good. But, I mean, I don't think the spree is much better. So, if they can cash in, they should cash in. One, oh, I mean, I, I agree. There was, there was a rumor, um, I don't know, it, was, it popped up at the beginning of the season of them looking at um, – Miguel Labarra from uh, uh, Liga MX and, you know, national team, if they could revisit that and, you know, try to revive this little hot streak, I think that would be kind of interesting. That would, oh, that's a, that's a, that's a good little connection. I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind seeing Ibarra come, come to MLS. Uh, and that's a, I think that when teams have the opportunity to sell on a player that's young, that has a, a little bit of value, I don't see what the problem is, especially when they're not a DP, because you're going to get some surplus that you can dip back into that po- into that team, and that's how you're going to create that extra value that you can go and you can start having these deeper teams. I mean, it's not necessarily just selling on your DPs; it's selling on any any team. I you know to take a, the next step to Poku um, and NYC. I think that's a marvelous move for both teams. I think Miami's finding some, uh, an undervalued asset, and I think that at the same time, um, MLS and New York City are, are selling on an asset that they're not utilizing, and that they really don't plan on it. Um, I think it's an absolutely idiotic move by Miami. I mean, really, $750,000 for an MLS bench player? I mean, it's kind of ridiculous if you ask me. Yeah, but yeah, and this would be my one argument. I, I do agree that maybe the the price tag associated is a little, um, a little, a little uh, steep. But 
you're getting a player that's that's a real difference maker for your league. And while he might not necessarily be a million-dollar talent, which is really nearly what you're paying, he's young, he's got a lot of upside, and there's a there's a possibility you can sell him that you're going to be able to sell him on, um, given your your team's brand. I mean that Miami FC brand. They're going to have you know Colombian and you know Brazilian teams that are going to be looking and watching what goes on in that team. And you develop a star that's you know in his early 20s that might create at least some incentive, and that might be the thinking there. Um, total speculation on my be- behalf, and that's part of why I'm okay with the price tag. But I, I think you, you are correct. I think that's a little rich, and uh, well, it's not my money. So, I mean, look, I want Poco to do well. I like him a lot, but I mean, if you just look at him as a player and a package and what he, he could and should bring to the field, there's just something not right on the surface. There, he's either got attitude problems or he just does not work hard enough. So. I hope he goes there and you know turns it around and gets back on the field where he belongs. Did you uh, did you want to see him on another MLS team? Were you hoping to possibly see him get more minutes or? Um, I was I was really hoping he would somehow find his way back to Atlanta. You know that's an interesting thought, uh, and, and we'll get there when we start talking about uh, some of Atlanta FC. Um, so we play a little game called the superlative game. Um, it, it's just one word to describe something or someone. Mixed Discrude looks to be on the outs, which is hardly surprising. Give me one word to describe Mixed Discrude. Um, it's probably a, a cliche, but I'll go with Enigma. <laughs> no, I think uh, I think I used that uh, last night when I was uh, trying to come up with something about him. I think that's that works. Um. So is it? It's funny because within our Slack, we kind of actually named a, a few teams that we thought he might be headed towards. Do you think that uh, you know Seattle, Philadelphia? There's a couple teams that could possibly fit him in, um, if nothing else, just to try to see if there's something there. Do you think there's more there, or do you think it was just pure hype and a little bit of uh, market? Uh, marketing that brought Discrude the amount of money and the attention? I think the money is the biggest issue right now. I mean, I don't see any MLS team right now paying what he's making. Um, I think if, if if a deal can be worked out where they're only paying him like three hundred or 300000 a year, he would make sense for a couple of teams like Seattle if they're like they fall through on some of their players. I could see it kind of working. Maybe, um, let's see. I, Maybe off Chicago. the top of my head. Uh, Chicago seems I mean, like they always have money to absorb stuff, but they don't do it in the right way. So it just seems like a really good fit. <laughs> I mean, they can use anybody at this point, can they? I mean, they're, I mean, I don't see yeah. anything helping them. Uh, poor Chicago. That's about it. I mean, I just uh, – it's hard to fit mix in anywhere right now, honestly. I, I, would, I would agree. I think there's a lot of lineups that are very – either you have them static or they're just extremely tough to break through. I think that MLS is starting to develop a little bit of depth around the league to where that first player uh, off the bench in the midfield generally is of some quality. 
either they're younger or they're older or they're, there's some associated uh, attribute that keeps them on that team. And maybe they're just short of uh, really being able to consistently start. Uh, Mario Rosales is one name that specifically comes to mind for me down in Dallas. You know, he played up in Vancouver for a couple years as a, as a great bench slash, you know, spot starter. Goes down to Dallas and doing a lot of the same things. It feels like this league is starting to develop that that twelfth player and that thirteenth player isn't quite there, but they're really getting really good about having a almost a super sub quality player uh, on every team. Uh, and I say almost on every team. You know, there's obviously a few a few that don't have that. But what what do you think about the depth of MLS right now? Um, I know that that's always a hot topic, but I feel like generally it's a little overblown. Yeah, I mean, I think with uh, target, targeted allocation money and allocation money coming into the league, you're starting to see it get more, you know, deep on the bench. Um, it's it's hard to say, like, hard to label it for a general general um, sense within the league because you're always going to have bad teams and good teams. But but even within the good teams, except for, you know, Seattle, I'm sorry, but they're, all the top teams are have – have more depth than they usually did so i'd say it's working pretty well no i would agree with you i think that's a that's a huge outstanding i mean you look back to last year and the fact that you did have guys such as uh valdez coming off the bench then you you know replacing obafemi martins late in the game and uh, all his job was just to run down the ball and, and turn it in the opposite direction it was it was very good at the time and it looked like it was going to be really good coming into the season uh unfortunately things or fortunate, depending on who you support, um, things just didn't work out the way that they they expect. Um, so another game that I kind of started playing is good news, bad news, or no news. Speaking of the Seattle Sounders, Eddie Johnson had some opinions about uh, Nelson Valdez. And, and I guess not so much Valdez. I think that's a little bit fair to insert his name in there. I think it was more the, the characterization of the fact that um, they're overpaying for certain services and the fact that he feels there's not a lot of uh, media scrutiny upon the fact that they're not scoring goals. Good news, bad news, no news that Eddie Johnson's trying to stay relevant? I'd say it's pretty good news because I absolutely agree with him on Valdez. I just don't think he's a very a big contributor to the team. I just, I don't understand his place in the team actually. No, I would agree with you. Um, they, they, it's funny because they try to play direct. And, and so you'd think that a player like him, who's physical, that can win some passes, kind of that, uh, Alan, he, he almost seems advertised as an Al, Alan Gold, uh, Gordon on, you know, um, I don't know, a European version, uh, maybe even better, at least that's what he was advertised as. And he really isn't coming away. He's not winning um, aerial duels as much as what was kind of forecasted or at least expected. And they continue to, they continue just to throw passes into the box. Aaron Kovar just continues to uh, cross in there. And whether that's because, you know, they're not on the same sheet of music and they're not making the runs that he expects, or they're making different runs, there is a complete, um, complete breakdown of communication on how the, how that team is to be attacking. And Jordan Morse looks 
looks really good. I feel like he's just this is the a bad year for it to be his rookie year. Yeah, I mean <clears throat> it seems like about ninety percent of his game has looked incredible. He's getting behind defenders, he's looking sharp in the passing game. It's just he's always he's trying to press too hard for that goal it seems because he knows Dempsey's not there and he's he's thinking he's thinking he has to be the guy instead of finding the smart pass or waiting for help or something like that. No, yeah, and he is he is it is very apparent that he's pressing. Um but that being said, I feel like, you know, he's coming up with opportunities, he's creating his own chances in some in some scenarios. And, and that's big considering the fact that, you know, the Sounders don't have a playmaker. Um they they don't have a number 10 that's going to be creating opportunities for him. So the fact that he's able to find those on his own, it, I think is huge and speaks to, you know, he's very quick uh, maturing of the game right now. So um, just looking at it right now, his because, ex- you know, we do the expected goals. We got we got to pull up the expected goals. He's actually doing quite well. Uh, 3.96, uh, almost uh, four expected goals. He scored five goals total. So, I mean, technically speaking, he's overachieving. But considering we're, I mean, he's not taking a lot of shots outside the box. That's not his game, right? His game is to get as close in and around the penalty area as he can and just kick that ball as damn hard as he possibly can, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like I'm not you quite... was angry. I think it was funny you said angry goals because that's exactly, I think that's a great way to describe it. He just looks angry. Yeah, he does. Um, it's a it's a weird season for him, definitely. So um, going down, we we really brought you in. Not just it, it was fun because last week was kind of the uh, well, I shouldn't say fun, but you know, last week was the third place game that you know was horrible, and so you cover the U.S. So that's that's one lead in for us to have you on. But really, we want to talk to you about some Atlanta FC that's coming. So, first of all, we're going to quiz you on all sorts of things. What are your thoughts on Carlos Bocanegra, and why did he choose Atlanta over LAFC or any of the, you know, imaginary options that are out there? Um, I mean, I never heard of any other reported interest, but... um, Well, I just mean because he's an L.A. guy, right? He's SoCal. So it just it seemed like a LAFC and a brand new club standing up. It just seemed like a fit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it just could have just been timing. It could have been circumstance. I mean, he could have. I mean, I'm sure they pitched him all the all the the sixty million dollar training facility they have coming up. They pitched him. You know, we're going to give you so much resources. We're really serious about all this. And I guess he just bit on the bit on the pitch. So you're talking about resources. Is he the one kind of amassing the talent? Is he the one assembling the roster and saying, you know, I choose you, Pikachu? I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. I'd say he's more of a recruiter. I mean, I'd say it's probably a three-headed, three-headed monster between Bocanegra, um, the president Darren Eels, who has all the European connections, and then Paul McDonough, who used to work with um, Orlando City. He has all the MLS connection, so Bocanegra is pretty much like the the recruiter slash scouter who you know knows 
knows everybody, basically. Interesting. So when it comes down to it, uh, who's the one that's overall managing? It, it, all three of them are, are kind of sitting here saying, this is what our budget is. This is who we want to go over next. Um, I get the feeling that uh, Darren Neal is like the main orchestrator behind all of it. Okay, interesting. Um, so <coughs> the team name, Atlanta United FC. It's a dumb name. We all get it. We're gonna ever move past the fact that it's a dumb name, or are they just gonna go? Are they gonna be AU, or what? What's the way of getting around the fact that this is a dumb name? Um, I'd say like after three years, when when Arthur Blank has pumped all kinds of money into the team, and we've already won a MLS Cup, I'd say I don't think people will care about the name anymore. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. I see you. Um. So. There are four players signed so far. Um, the one, uh, and I'm trying, he's on loan to Tampa Bay Rowdies. I don't remember the name, but everybody else under 25, and I say everybody else, that's three other players. They've consistently recruited some youth. Is that something that you, is, is that a positive sign? It, it Does it mean nothing at this stage, or does it just kind of, does it give you a brief window of insight to what they're doing? I think it means a lot. I mean, even the guy they signed that was over 25, that was that was the guy that used to play for the Silverbacks. And I, I, I want to say they signed him just to appease all the Silverbacks fans who were kind of mad at the team. But I think um, all, the, all the young signings, I think that's the way that they want to go. They're the first big uh, DP signing that they've been linked to is Andres Guardado, who's about 29, 30. So they don't want to. They don't want to be the the retirement home team. They want to be young and dynamic. I think. So speaking of young, dynamic, Andrew Carlton, first homegrown player. Who is he? He is probably the 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 highest. I mean, he's. I don't want to say he's the next Christian Pulisic, but I mean, I wouldn't say I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, he's he's right on the edge. He's so probably is, the high. He, he's the best uh, American prospect currently in the system, probably right now. So is he going to start for the team next year? Do you think? Uh, I doubt it'll start because it'll be a way with uh, the U17 national team so much because it's a, it'll be the year of the World Cup, so he'll oh, be call. off on international duty a lot. But I mean, I'm sure he'll get a lot of minutes once he's back, and it'll just be spot. He might get a spot start. He'll be a super sub but he'll definitely get a minute so where is he playing at now is he he have he, i mean he's what 16 17 so he's got high school balls that is that what he's playing right now or what 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 keeps him engaged right now he just got eliminated from the um u.s soccer development academy playoffs with georgia united it's the academy that atlanta united absorbed so Gotcha. To, have, to, to let them have jurisdiction over him to sign him as a homegrown. Wow, that was a little fortuitous, huh? <laughs> it was a pretty. It was pretty much a stroke of genius. I mean, even the the top drawer soccer guys were pretty thrown back by it. They had never seen anything like it. So the other name that comes up is, uh, and, and excuse me if I butcher it, Jeffrey Otu. <laughs> it's good enough for me. I have no idea either. So, but he has a kind of a neat background coming from uh, from Africa, and he doesn't seem like he's really ever played 
um, club ball. It seemed like he, you know, he's he, he's played in a lot of development leagues. Nothing that's really so much that there's any type of empirical empirical data on him. Yeah, I mean, we know nothing about him. Like the release that they put out when they signed him said maybe he played for a second division team in Ghana called like the something something all charity all stars. I mean, he's a virtually unknown player until we see him with the battery, but. Just, we haven't even seen him with the batter yet, so who knows? So, where did that signing come from? Do you know? Do you know like how he was scouted and how he was recruited? I have no idea. One day he just popped up on the MLS Players Union salary sheet, and then a couple of weeks later they announced that they signed him, and then maybe like a week after that they showed they showed pictures of Darren Eels and and Ghana recruiting. So I guess I don't know. It has to be some kind of through some kind of scouting network that supposedly they maybe have set up or maybe MLS as a general saw him and said, "Hey, we want this kid. You can take him." Who knows? So he's not with the battery yet. He supposedly that... joined the battery. I guess he's training with the battery. Maybe he's oh. not match fit yet, so he hasn't actually made the match day roster yet. Okay. All right. Interesting. So um, we wanted to talk a little bit about expansion draft and just to kind of get everybody in the mood and start getting set up and everything i went ahead and collected a list of you know possible available and this could very well change as as far as who's going to be available because it's it's really one of those things um i took all players that are getting regular starting 11 minutes out of the pool um, and by regular starting appearances, I mean they've for the year made. I, I want to say it was like something seven or eight starts. Outside of that, I've removed them. Uh, also removed loans. So from that, um, we have this very endless pool of players that you know consist of you know Aurelian Collin, um, Ray Gaddis. Eric uh, Zavaleta, Josh Williams, Eric Miller. You know what? The another name that kind of came up was AJ De La Garza, um, which I think is kind of interesting. Going through here, and yep. if we were going to actually assemble our own expansion draft, let, let's take a look at some of the different players that you would want to see on here. And I said one keeper, four defenders, four midfielders, one forward. And and that one forward, I, I will let you um, add to the Jack McInerney that is certainly going to be somebody you, you include, right? Yeah, I mean, I would I would love Jack Mack as long as, as long as my other dream signing isn't available. Who, who is your dream signing? My dream signing for Atlanta United is – is the LA Galaxy's Jose Villarreal. I would absolutely love him at, at Atlanta United. I, 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 that's damn. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that that's, that's something that both, um, Sean and I have talked about. Probably, maybe not necessarily on this, maybe probably on this podcast before, but we've definitely talked about it, uh, just exchanging text messages about the fact that he needs to get out of LA. And I think that that would be, uh, that would be an excellent pickup. 
The other thing is that you have to kind of wonder is whether or not Sebastian Legette will be available. Is that somebody that uh, could possibly uh, ring your bell? I couldn't see him being available, but if he was, that would be another top-notch signing. Well, see, LA, LA, they're going to have 11 11 people that they can – that they can just hold on to. And maybe Brian Rose, not one of them. Maybe that's, that's where they, they kind of use that. But I mean, it's either that or Mike McGee or, you know, there's, they're going to open up some useful player to being picked in one way or another. I mean, if, if legit was available, I would imagine he would be the number one golden blue chip player to that each team would be wanting to be after. Well, I mean, you also you look down at uh, you have Darren Maddox would probably be available. Um, Hercules Gomez probably available. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even get me started on Hercules Gomez. He's done. He needs to retire. Oh, oh, oh! Shots fired. What? He needs to go. He he was a pretty good analyst for F, or for Fox. He just needs to retire and go to analyst. He had some great glasses. He did. Very. That was, his, that was his best contribution all season. <laughs> uh, so looking down, you also probably have Innocent uh, Imagara, uh, who for some reason continues to ride the bench. We've heard rumors of the fact that you know he had some clubhouse issues with um, with Chris Wondolowski. Uh, they're looking at San Jose. San Jose has kind of a kind of a list of how they're going to position because you also have Mark Pelosi, you also got Tommy Thompson, you have uh Mateus uh Perez that you're Garcia that you're gonna have to deal with. I mean you got lots of really interesting pieces that are going to be floating around this. Uh Dylan Powers possibly available. Dylan Cerna, possibly available. There's a lot of names that could really uh really kind of be lucrative. Well, uh, you know how I am about young Americans, so if they want to go ahead and give us Tommy Thompson and um Dylan Cerna, I'll be hundred percent with that. Well what about Mikey Lopez? Yeah, I mean he's another guy that was, he was amazing. he was uh, him and Will Trapp were one of the best Mid, youth, youth national team midfields I've ever seen, and then I guess he just fell off the map. I mean, he would be another another guy I'd definitely be interested in. I'm not gonna lie, he got subbed in this weekend for NYC uh, in Seattle, and I was at the game, and I had completely forgot he was on NYC's roster. Like I totally, like I I nearly fell out of my chair. It was it was uh, it was crazy. So. Looking at the goalkeeper situation, just kind of, you got the you got the spreadsheet open at all? All right, so you got the spreadsheet. Uh, something that you mentioned that we should probably, it's been reported that MLS might end expansion drafts. That would be like one of the worst things ever. I love drafts, and I think the fact that MLS has like eight of them, it totally is for me in every in every way. I love an expansion. I love the expansion draft. I, I I don't know why they're trying to get rid of it, but I can tell you for sure that they that Darren Eels right now has absolutely no idea if it's going to be in or not. We talked to him on the podcast, our podcast, a couple of weeks ago, and he just 
he really didn't know. I mean, he was 100% honest that he didn't know yet if they were going to be having it yet. So looking down through the goalkeepers, let's assume that, the, that this is on. One goalkeeper that stands out um, out of the possibility. I mean, you have, you know, young Tyler Miller, who is the uh, the standout that went to Germany, came back, played for uh, plays on the bench right now, uh, second stringer for the Sounders. You have Sean Johnson, who's kind of, been relegated to benching duties uh, of late. You have Tally Hall, Travis Wara, who was actually pretty good for his time uh, filling in for Bill Hamid. Jesse Gonzalez, who's kind of the on-again, off-again uh, standout. Uh, th- there's quite a few. Zach McMath, who's kind of n- doing nothing now uh, that um, Tim Howard decided to show up. Well, being in the Georgia area, like, I, I, a lot of people want Sean Johnson because he's from the area, but I just – I'm not a big fan of his because he's too mistake-prone. I think, realistically, I would have to go with uh, Zach McMath. I think he's oh, got I the talent. It. He just needs the confidence behind him to, you know, give it to him. That's – that's the crowd loves loves your, your goalkeeper pick. <laughs> All right, looking at four defenders right here on this list. So, actually, I gotta really scroll up. So, you had a couple that immediately stand out to me, uh, just because of the situation uh, that we talked about already with uh, Jeffrey Otoo. You have uh, Kofi Apare, who's also from Ghana. Um, I, maybe that doesn't matter. Maybe that kind of helps settle things down. I'm not sure. And then also, as I mentioned previously, you have uh, AJD, which, man, I really like De La Garza. And, you know, Sean's been on this about the fact that he's the best defender right now in MLS now. I think that's completely uh, – well, I think that's crazy. Uh, but he's a great defender. There's a lot of other who, – who's the first one that really jumps – off this list? Um, I would have to go with Ray Gaddis because he's, he's a guy, he's a versatile guy. He can play left back. He can play right back. And when you're, when you're acquiring players, I mean, I'd say a center back is a lot easier to get than an out, uh, a fullback is. So if you can get a guy that plays both positions well, I mean, I don't see why you wouldn't try to go get him. Hey, you know what? My FIFA team agrees with you 100%. Um, I like Kevin Alston as well. When you talk about versatile out, uh, outside backs, um, who plays both left uh, left and right side, um, was fun phenomenal coming back from uh, cancer just a couple years ago. Play that card, and then uh, you know there's a couple other names. Anybody else uh, specifically speak out? To- I mean, I would love AJ Delgarza, but I just I just don't see them letting him leave um, LA. I just don't see MLS like making him leave LA like that. What about a name that has continually come up um, and, and is kind of getting squeezed out of Dallas, Zach Lloyd? I've um, I've always been a fan of Zach Lloyd. I just don't. I haven't. I haven't watched a lot of FC Dallas this year, so I don't know if he's regressed or anything. But I used to be a big fan of his. Like even back in the in the days of 2011 Gold Cup, I thought he should have been on the roster then. So. I've always been a civic fan, but I can't speak to his current form. 
All right. Uh, do you got a do you got a number two pick? Number two pick would be. About Ethan White, maybe. Uh, so probably a Ethan White, NYC FC, coming in this past weekend to substitute and help hang that, hang on to that game. Um, he's kind of an interesting guy. He's, he's a big physical specimen. I'm really surprised that they, that NYC hasn't utilized him more this year. Just frankly, because their defense sucks. Yeah, that does that does worry me a bit that he's on the bench and their defense is not great. <laughs> who I mean, it's no, I, I to tell what they're doing. I thought he was a really interesting uh, prospect when he went from uh, what originally with DC United went to Philadelphia. Um, I, I feel like he's been interesting at every stop. Um, maybe less so now at NYC, but I think it's an interesting selection there, uh, Mr. General Manager. Number defensive player number three. Number three. I mean, I would. I think Eric Miller would be fine. He's a he's a natural left back, and you always need a, a left back, as Jurgen Klinsmann would attest. Um, <laughs> Let me tell you how much we love Eric Miller. The guy creates so many shots and gets so forward in an attacking sense. He's definitely a really good attacking outside fullback. I, I really like that. Yeah, I mean, he seems to be pretty good in, on the MLS, MLS level. I wasn't a huge fan of him with the, U, the U23 team, but he, he's a fine left back. All right. Defensive player number four. Number four. I have to go with a center back. How about uh, Paul Moduka. I mean, wow. I'm not sure what his situ- I'm not sure what his situation is here. I'm not gonna lie. I'm just going from previous experience. The dirtiest player in MLS to hey, I mean, the dirty South. They are. They already hate Atlanta United. Let's get some players to make that reputation stand up. <laughs> All right. How about four midfielders? Midfielders. Midfielders. There's a couple names that are that are really going to uh, resonate, um, at least for me. Tony Chani. Uh, yeah, see, that was the first name that popped out. I just can't see that ever happening. But if he was available, absolutely, would be the number one pick. It, it, it'll be it'll be really interesting to see how Columbus, Columbus has a really nice collection of midfielders, and. They really can't keep all of them. I don't see how they will. Um, Tony Chani just had the least minute, so he kind of went out. Um, but as we know, uh, Emil Larson looks like he's on the way back to Denmark or Europe in general. I, I don't know if it's a Denmark team that he's going to go play for or what. But last time uh, I heard on the Twitters, he was on the way out. But there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, decisions that they're going to have to make to try to hold on to it a lot of really good talent. Um, there's Kevin Molino is in another situation down in, uh, down in Orlando. I'm a huge Kevin Molino fan. Uh, I, I can't get the fact that he scored 20 goals out of my head, uh, whether that was in USL or not. Uh, I, I think it's very uh, reminiscent of the fact that Dom Dwyer did all that and then came to MLS and was successful. Similarly, Kevin Molino 
finds a way to create lots of shots for the teams that he's been on. He got injured last year, maybe this year, but it kind of seems like they've settled on Adrian Winter and uh, and they went and got a out uh, outside midfielder for their one of their DPs, and I, the name escapes me. Yeah, I have no idea. So there's a there's a few interesting talents here. I see Ryan Hollingshead's name on here. That's that's a bit of a shocker. If he was available, I'd love to have him. Jonathan Osorio, he's another name that strikes me as I think he's pretty underappreciated overall. Yeah. Even with the even Toronto and Canada, I don't understand why they don't utilize him more. I think he'd be a nice asset to have. Well, especially with how young he is. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that sounds about right. And then obviously, um, as we mentioned earlier, Sebastian Legette, if he was available, I think he'd be the number one pick of whoever gets the top pick, assuming Minnesota comes along with Atlanta. Yeah, that's a good that's a that's a really great observation. They they've been really wishy washy on whether or not Minnesota's coming next year as well. Yeah, it seems to be up in the air regarding their stadium. If they get their stadium guarantee or something like that, they're going to be in. It's a, it's a whole mess. So right here, right now, number one pick for your midfield. I mean, obviously, if um, if Sebastian Legette's available, he's the number one. Pick. All right, number one pick, Sebastian Legette. You do realize though, you pick Sebastian Legette, you can't get. The man, Jose Villarreal. I'm I'm pretty sure he's a he's a homegrown player, so he wouldn't be available in the draft anyway. So, homegrown players are available. Oh, for real? Are you sure? Uh, it's... let's let let's take a look at the the rules according to the 2014 expansion draft. They had some interesting um. Players on a club's supplemental roster, other than Generation Adidas players who have not been graduated at the end of the 2014 MLS season, just say it, 2016 MLS season, or homegrown players on a club's supplemental roster will be part of the expansion draft. So, uh, additionally, it says, um, oh, Generation Adidas players who have not been graduated at the end of the 2014 MLS season and homegrown players on a club's supplemental roster at the end of the 2014 season are automatically at the end of that. They just contradicted themselves within a paragraph. Welcome to MLS. All right. So I'm going to interpret this as homegrown players that are within the 18 which are, you know, that's that's the first team roster, not the supplemental roster, which extends past the 18, correct? Absolutely. I yeah, have, so I, mean, I, I, w- I, would, I would guess that Jose Villarreal is going to fit within the first 18, but I don't know that for a fact. So we'll, ju- we'll just pretend that that's not the case, and you, you can't have him. Not allowed oh, at all. That's not fair. Hey, hey, welcome. Life's not fair, pal. Life's not fair. Uh, yeah, just look at Jose Villarreal's career. We know it's not fair. <laughs> so, next on the midfield list, number two. 
Number two is going to be Tony Chiang if he's available, of course. I mean, I don't see either of those guys ever being available, but they would be perfect fits for Atlanta if it ever came to fruition. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's an excellent pick, and I think Tony Chani is one of – if he would just stay healthy and stop getting into trouble uh, with so many cards, I, I really feel he'd be a huge asset to a team. I've always been a fan of his. He seems like the, the true number six your team needs, and I don't know why it's not worked out. Maybe he's tired of Will Trap getting all the, the headlines. Who knows? It seems like a weird situation in Columbus this year, so who knows? Yeah, it really does. Uh, kind of uh awkward scenario. Looking down, number three. Number three has got to be – I'd go with Dylan Powers. He's got a he's – a, he's a really nice midfielder. It seems like maybe Jermaine Jones has kind of pushed him out the door. I'd love to see him get a shot with a team starting maybe. So if you, if you were head coach, head coach Rob, um – what position does he play? Hmm. I'd say he's 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 pretty much like another mixed disker. He doesn't really have a position. You just kind of have to pigeonhole him into like a three-man midfield and let him have some freedom where you can defend and attack a little bit. So maybe like a number eight role in four-three-three. Three. I I I kind of agree with that. I think that uh, I kind of think that he's been. Uh, trying to fit in they've been trying to fit him into a hole and you know that tactical genius that sits in Colorado and coaches their team just quite hasn't been able to uh, figure out you know how to use powers surprisingly enough hey I mean you can't knock the record you I mean you might not be a great coach but look at the scoreboard pile yes yes the true definition of a great team as said by a Sanders fan. Um, moving on, number four. Last number four mid- would have to – Last midfielder. Um, I would go with Ryan, Holling- Ryan Hollingshead. He's got a lot of versatility. He can play fullback and he can play midfield. Why not? You always need a good versatility player in your in your squad. So I'm, I'm just going to let you know because it's going to be said uh, via Twitter or some other way – we love Ryan Hollingshead. You, I don't know if you know this. We feel he's the answer at left back for the U.S. men's national team. I'm just going to throw that out there. Well, I mean, as long as he plays right back for his club, he should be the answer at left back for the national team. <laughs> well, I, I think what, you know, exactly. Because you can throw ahead and take their center, central defensive midfielder and put him at left back. Put everybody at left back. Uh, but it, it, in all actuality, I, I think Hollingshead is a great possession-based uh, left back. He understands his man-marking duties, understands how to how to find, is excellent with the ball. Really, really good, really dynamic passer. And I feel like that's really an understated uh, role with a left back. Uh, just my... Yeah, I mean- my he's, two he's, got, he's got a technical quality. He's he got the intelligence. I mean, that's all I think you need as a left back. I, a lot of people give Jurgen Klinsmann crap, but I mean, as long I, I value technical ability overall, and if you can hang on to the ball and keep your mind, keep your head when the pressure's around you, I think it's 
it can work out. So there are some serious names on this list, on this forward list. Dominic Odoro, Charlie Davies, um, Patrick Mullins, my personal favorite. Uh, I, I know you're going to go with Connor Doyle, but, uh, you know, keep an open mind here. Come on. I mean, <laughs> looking at this list, anybody who follows me on Twitter for the last two years knows who I, I would pick. And he's never going to be available, but if Juan Aguidelo is available, Atlanta United has to take him. I think the only reason why they wouldn't take Juan Aguidelo, and, and I, I, I completely agree with you. I think that's probably the best. I think it's purely from a situation of he doesn't want to go there. I think that would be the only reason. And I, I'm I'm making that your pick just because I like it. Um, I, I feel like there are scenarios and cases where MLS just doesn't allow things to happen uh, purely. And I don't want to say they protect the player because they don't. Uh, they protect their brand, their business. But I think that it's not good business to put a player as significant as Juan Aguadello in Atlanta if he's going to be unhappy. And I think they're going to find some way for New England to try to keep him if it's through some alternative method. I know in past ones, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, teams have actually kind of paid a little bit of allocation to stop sniffing around other players. <clears throat> cough, Dan Gargan, cough. Um, right. Um, I'm going to turn on my creeper mode here because I'm kind of like a Juan Aguidelo fanboy. Let's do it. I know for I know for a fact that his um his significant other has family in Houston and they go to Houston all the time, so I don't think it would be that big of a deal. But who knows? Well, that's that's interesting. That's dropping that. That's that's just me hoping really hard that he ends up in Atlanta somehow. Well, now all of a but sudden, as for, I'm really hoping he ends up in Houston. But sorry, <laughs> I, I I I promise not to. Okay, okay, I'll make a trade with you then. They can have um, Juan Aguilera if they give us Eric Torres. You know what? I I I I don't think MLS would allow that because they are trying to get rid of ML, uh, Eric Torres. I mean, it is so evident, right, that Eric Torres is not staying in MLS. It's just so sad, man. I mean, he was it's so weird. amazing with Chivas USA. I loved him so much, and I don't know what happened. I will, I'll, I'll, I'll give you this trade though. So you, you tell me whether or not you do this. Uh, I don't know about that. I was gonna say Giles Barnes, but I don't know. What about Will Bruin? I'll give you Will Bruin. <laughs> no, <laughs> pass. Yeah. No. Okay. All right. That's a sanity check. You're good. You're, you're good for another year. So there are some other good names on the forward list. Like um, I wouldn't mind Cameron Porter from Montreal. I don't know how how well he's responding to his uh, knee surgery, but he was pretty good for a while back in the day. Um, I still think Till Bernberry could turn into something. Oh, I very much agree. CJ Sapong is proof of that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um. Aaron Maddox, I mean, he's got the he's got crazy athleticism. I wouldn't mind taking a shot at him. And then Jack McInerney, like we said, seems like a shoe in for Lenny Nanny. Yeah, I think giving um, Maddox some consistent minutes could really be interesting. Yeah, I'm, name, not sure how, I'm not oh. sure how much his heart is in it. 
No, I, I think that that's a that's kind of a fair speculation. Um, one name that kind of goes without being said is Olmes Garcia uh, over there in Real Salt Lake. I don't know if they're going to be able to keep him with all the that talent that they just kind of purchased um, in the attacking roles. He could be somebody very special. In, yeah, in I've seen a little bit of him. I mean, it's hard to uh, for some reason that. That red and blue of Seattle, I mean that RSL, just makes me fall asleep when I just don't watch many of their games. But he 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 seems like a good player from what I've seen on highlights, so I wouldn't mind taking a shot at him. Is it the is it the red and blue that makes you fall asleep, or the fact that they're playing games like at you know nine o'clock, ten o'clock your time? I don't know. It's just something about RSL that's really boring. I mean, they have a great atmosphere, pretty good stadium. They have a good team this year. It's just something about them that is really dull for some reason. I'm not sure. But another name on the list, Tommy Thompson, if he's available, would love him. I'm still stuck on there. I'm still vice conductor of the Tommy Thompson hype train, even though it's kind of derailed. There's going to be a lot of really interesting names, and I feel like this is one of the deeper expansion drafts that are probably uh, that that's that's going to be out there, which is maybe why MLS is kind of thinking maybe we're not going to have you know keep all you know ten players allow you to freeze ten players on your team because as I as we both kind of mentioned earlier, these MLS teams are starting to get a little deep. Saving ten players no more, no longer really. Uh, I mean, there, there's eleven, twelve, thirteen players that you wish that you could really hold on to. I'm hoping, I'm hoping Atlanta finds at least two or three good players that can contribute. I don't think last year, last the last expansion draft, I can't recall any big players getting drafted and having significant time. Maybe. Pedro Ribeiro was that? Did he get drafted? Maybe that was one. Yeah, he got he got drafted. I think I I really felt like it was almost more of a collection of hey, we're just gonna try to find some def, uh, some subs, some quality subs, and maybe one or two of them work out. That's almost what it felt like. Yeah, it seemed like most of them were trade chips, wasn't it? They they bought like they. They drafted players and then traded them for different other players. It was just a whole mess. Yeah, it really wasn't as interesting as what I thought it could be. Although there could be some – that's when you don't really necessarily – you're not able to see behind the curtain. And it will be really interesting to hear from Atlanta and from you um, what insight there is um, uh, that's really directing that and how – what the perception is when they're, when they're stepping in making those uh, those those picks – if they're really, you know, bought into those players. Yeah, I'm hoping to learn some. I mean, it's it seems like a, a wild card process. I'm sure they have some kind of plan, even though they don't even know for sure if it's going to happen yet. So I'm hoping to learn something about it. Well, Rob, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Um, so at, what we do is at the end of the show, I ask you to say goodbye and you say something, either you can say goodbye or you could say it in another language, or you could just like tell me to piss off. Like I, either way it's, it's happened a lot of different ways. So I'm going to say, Rob, say goodbye. Um, I'm not intelligent enough to know any language. So I'll say peace out. 
All right, and uh, I'll say uh, Gonzalo Higuain, and you guys all have a great day. Listen to the podcast, go out and read Stars and Stripes, and yeah, have a great Shut day. Shut your face, or whatever it is that you're high doing. school jerks. We're about.